Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. In this episode, we're going to look at Lesson 3 from our series, Discerning the Call of God. I hope you enjoy Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast, episode 17. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. We're going to continue our series, Discerning the Call of God. And in this lesson, this episode, we're going to begin looking at the qualifications for ministry. I want us to go to 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and begin reading at verse number 1. The saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. And so we're going to focus on verse number 2 of 1 Timothy 3, and let us read that again. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach, and we're going to save able to teach in our next episode. And so we've been looking at the discerning of the call of God. We began uh, looking at the different calls that God calls us to salvation, and then there is the call to make disciples, and then there is a calling to ministry. And then our next episode, our next lesson, we looked at the three tiers of ministry. Everyone is called to minister. Everyone's called to win Uh, souls to the Lord. And then there's the second tier, which might be vocational ministry, uh, which is uh, you might be working in a church somewhere. You might be uh, a full-time musician, a janitor, a Christian school teacher. Uh, And then there is the third tier, which is the call to the ministry, which Paul lays out in first, I'm sorry, in Ephesians chapter number four, which there is uh, some apostles, some prophets, some uh, evangelists, some teachers, uh, and shepherds and overseers. And so we described and defined that word uh, overseer in first chapter, I'm sorry, first Timothy chapter three, uh, which the King James Version says, bishop, In the original language, it means to be an overseer. It is someone overseeing a congregation or a flock of God. So we've been looking at the ministry. And now we get to 1 Timothy 3, and we're beginning to see that there are qualifications to ministry. And I want us to understand the beginning here that no one is worthy of the call to ministry. Just as we are unworthy of being called into the light of God's salvation, Uh, We are just as unworthy to the call to the ministry. All the qualifications that Paul lists here are spiritual virtues. And let us be mindful that this is not just qualifications for ministry, but these are virtues that all Christians uh, should be striving to obtain and to possess in their life. 
These are character traits that mark godly teachers and leaders and overseers. He says nothing about the duties of a leader. He doesn't say anything about you need to be pastoring a mega church or pastoring a church of 100 or 500 or 5,000 or 30,000. Uh, he doesn't say anything about having management skills. He doesn't say anything about uh, being a great orator. But these are spiritual virtues that God sets in a man who begins to feel the call to the ministry. Now, there is uh, the, the one duty, the task that he says in uh, verse number two, which is able to teach. And we're going to look at that in our next episode. But that is the one thing that he says that he has to do. Everything else is what he's supposed to be. These are qualities. These are virtues. These are things that we should be growing into in ministry. Now, this does not mean that we are perfect men. Uh, this does not mean that we are sinless. Uh, there was only one sinless, perfect man. That was Christ Jesus. Uh, now, we might look at these qualifications and might start feeling condemnation or guilt or shame. Now, that's not what these are for. These are qualities that we should begin to have in our lives as we feel the call to ministry. And if certain things might not line up in our lives, it might not disqualify you from the ministry. However, we might need to grow in it. Now, there are some things here that we'll look at that might disqualify you from being in the ministry, but it may not necessarily disqualify you from being a minister in your church or uh, being in ministry, but it will disqualify you from being an overseer. Now, I don't want that to scare you as we attempt to uh, expound and exegete chapter verse number two of chapter number three of first timothy so i want us to look at these uh, uh each quality as we begin and i want us to make sure that we know that these standards are high the qualifications are high uh, the threshold is high because the office that we are striving for is high and the office is high because we serve a high god who zealously guards the glory of his name and his church now if you do not meet God's standards for the ministry, uh, you might be sure uh, that he's not calling you to those offices. So we must make sure that this passage, this passage offers a clear, non-negotiable list of character qualifications for gospel ministry. So let's look at these uh, one by one in this lesson. Now, he begins to say that, the overseer must be above reproach. Uh, this, this is a, a phrase uh, in the original language means to be blameless and above accusation. It doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean that he has never committed sin, uh, but it does mean that there's not something that can apprehend him from keeping himself from being in the office of an overseer. And we must make clear some uh, some borders and boundaries here. There are things uh, that happen in our lives that we do pre-conversion, before the call to salvation, out of darkness into His marvelous light. And if these things happened before our conversion, uh, we can be sure that if we're growing and we've turned from sin, that uh, God can still use us. Now, there are also things that might happen after we have been converted, we've been born again, and that might happen before we begin to feel the call to ministry. And this is a gray area. It might not disqualify you, but it might be a problem for you. It might be a problem where you are ministering. Now, there are things that might happen after you're called into the ministry that we need to, make, we need to discern whether or not these things might disqualify us. Now, 
That does not mean that we don't fall and that we don't sin and that we don't fail God, that we need God's grace even as ministers of his gospel. But we also know that he extends grace to us, that uh, he, we can grow in Christ even if, if we are in ministry. We never stop growing, but we need to make sure that we are above reproach. In the original language, it means not to be held to. So there's not some sort of uh, worn out for your arrest. There's not some great big scandal in your life that someone can point to uh, that says, well, I can't listen to him as a minister of the gospel. I can't be submitted to him or his leadership because of this one thing. Maybe uh, it, it was uh, it was, you know, you, you committed bank robbery or something of the sort. And there might be something uh, that they, they can point to. Uh, but you're to be above reproach. And even at the end in verse number 7 here of this little uh, paragraph, he says that he should not fall into reproach uh, and the snare of the devil. So he's kind of bookend the qualifications of what he's saying. Now, we must be above reproach. Our character must be above reproach. We are to be of good reputation, uh, whether it's your fault, someone else's fault, or no one's fault. Uh, we, we must be people who are of good reputation. Uh, and I think of this uh, example, uh, Bishop Kenneth Carpenter, who who was saved under Bishop Billy McCool's ministry here at First Apostolic Church in Knoxville and graduated from Apostolic Christian School. He tells the story that he was in a car with his father when he was a little boy, and his father seen this well-dressed man. I think he was going into a hardware store, and he told his son, uh, Brother Carpenter, he said, That's, that man right there is a good man. Well, Brother Carpenter remembered that for the rest of his life, that Bishop McCool was a good man, and that was he was saved under his ministry. His mother was saved under his ministry, and his life has been uh, completely changed, and their church in Maryville has impacted uh, the, the, the world because Bishop Billy McCool was thought of above reproach. He was a good man. Let it be said of us, brethren, that uh, we are good men, that we are honorable men, that we're above reproach. It doesn't mean that people won't have bad things to say about us. It may not be something that someone can look to and say, oh, I don't like him because of that. But we must live above reproach. So keep that in mind. Number one, we must be above reproach. Then he says, uh, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Now, in the original language, uh, in, in the Greek, it says uh, he is to be a one-woman man, okay? Now, it says to be a husband of one wife. That does not mean that we are uh, having a gray or a loophole area here where we can have polygamy in the church. It's not what he's saying. What it means is that the man of God is committed to that woman that he is married to. He's not committed adultery. He's not been married multiple times. He's not stepped outside of his marriage. There are, there's no emotional uh, relationships outside the confines of his own relationship with his wife. Now, let me say this. This does not mean that you have to be married in ministry because Paul tells us uh, that he was single, that he was unmarried. However, that the single man must have fidelity. He must be an example of fidelity and holiness, though he might not be married. And so, and again, let me say this to our young ministers who might be single. This goes back to our first point, that you must be above reproach. Let it not be said of you that you're uh, some kind of womanizer, uh, that you're all, you're, you know, the, the, the phrase uh, a player or uh, you're always having new girlfriends. 
Let it be that I'm committed. First of all, you're committed to Jesus Christ and that you're living a life. You're trying to live a life above reproach. And then Paul says that we, it's better to marry than to burn. Uh, now, he does not say that you must be married, but you must be committed to Christ, be committed to holiness. Now, to us married men, we must be committed to our wives. We must be committed to her. We must be committed in our relationship with her. We're committed emotionally. We're committed mentally. We're committed physically to our wives. We love our wives. We, uh, we are committed uh, to the marriage relationship, to the marriage covenant. We are a one woman man. So if we have committed adultery, uh, we have not been faithful to our wives, then yes, that will uh, disqualify us from being in the ministry. Now, let me say this. Uh, this might have happened pre-conversion. Let's say that before you were born again, you had divorce uh, in your life. Uh, now, with the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ, who I am licensed with, we do have uh, within the bylaws that a man can be uh, licensed with our organization had there been divorce previously, but there must be grounds for approval of who was the guilty party. Now, Jesus even said that if adultery was committed, a man or a woman could be married again. Or if uh, one spouse dies, then they can marry again. And I know there's a gray area, and in your organization, your fellowship might have different bylaws and understandings, and I'm not trying to cross swords there. But we must look at those things. There might be a gray area there, and you might be uh, in ministry now, and something awful happens, and uh, the other partner has uh, committed adultery or has left you or you have left them, and there's situations there that we have to, to take into consideration. Uh, but we must, first of all, under our own power and strength, be committed to our wives, that covenant of marriage. We must be a one-woman man. And let me say this. It does say a one-woman man. It does not say a, a one-man woman. And it says at the beginning of this paragraph that if a man desires to be an overseer. So he is speaking specifically to men in this part that if a man must be uh, an overseer. And so uh, we are of the persuasion that it is a man who is to be a pastor, to be a bishop, to be an overseer. That does not mean that uh, women are excluded from ministering, but we must understand that they are not uh, supposed to be overseers of men in the church. And this goes back to 1 Timothy chapter number 2, which we're going to talk about in future episodes. So he must be above reproach. He must be a one-woman man. And then he begins to talk about this. He says, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded. Now, what does that mean? To be sober-minded means to be temperate. And so in the metaphorical sense, uh, the, the original word means to be alert or watchful or vigilant. We must be clear-headed. Uh, and that's the primary usage here in this passage. And so the overseer must be one who thinks clearly. He possesses inner strength uh, to refrain from excess uh, that would dull his alertness. We're not dependent upon other chemicals like alcohol or pills or illegal drugs to help us. And so temperate men are desperately needed in today's church. And if you're a temperate man, if you're sober-minded, you'll also be wise in what you say. And let me recommend here and, uh, and say that you need to go and read the book of Proverbs over and over again. Uh, I believe in reading one 
chapter of Proverbs a day for those 31 chapters, and you can read the entire book in a, in a month's sitting. But so much is said about being a wise man, and we need wisdom in ministry. And it also has much to say about uh, watching what we say and how we say uh, certain things. Now, and so we must be sober-minded. And what happens to men uh, and, and women and all people who become drunken or with, with chemicals, they lose all their inhibitions and they say things that they shouldn't say. Well, that shouldn't be said of us. We need to be sober-minded. We must be temperate. We must be men who are wise, who have control of our thoughts. We bring into captivity every thought that would try to exalt itself above uh, Christ Jesus. And so we are to be renewed. We must be transformed in the spirit of our minds. Uh, and so we must be sober-minded men. Now, which goes right into the next one, and he says that we must be self-controlled. The overseer must be self-controlled. Now, let's look at this. Uh, the word self-controlled uh, is prudent. He is a uh, the, the result of being sober-minded and temperate is to be prudent. You're well-disciplined. You you have your priorities in order. Uh, you're a you're a person who are who is serious about spiritual things. It does not mean that you're uh, cold and humorless, but that you view the world through God's eyes. Uh, that you have the reality that the world is lost and disobedient to God and bound for a sinner's hell. This leaves little room for frivolity in ministry. We're sober-minded and we're, we're serious, we're self-controlled, we're, we're prudent in, in, in God's matters. These are people who are self-disciplined. We're not late to all of our events. Uh, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not, you know, just all over the place. And our life is not full of chaos and, and confusion, but we're sober-minded. We're well-disciplined. Uh, we, we do things when we need to do. We're people of our word. When we say things, we're going to do things. We are, we're punctual. We're, we're dependent. We're reliable. We're self-controlled. And you must be those things. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's not me, Pastor Nate. And well, you can work on it. You can, you can change those things. You can begin to get disciplined in your life. It's never too late to become prudent and self-controlled. And this is where we need the help of the Spirit. We do need God's sufficient grace to help us in those areas of our life that we might not think that are not uh, very spiritual and say, God, help me to be punctual. Help me to be a person who's sober-minded and prudent. Then he says this one, after being self-controlled, we must be respectable. Now, this is very important, brothers. Please hear me that uh, to be temperate, sober-minded, self-control, this falls right under that same category of being respectable. This carries the idea of being orderly, uh, the prudent man, the temperate man will also be respectable. If the congregation, the people that you are, uh, you are living with uh, in the church, you're doing uh, spiritual things with, if you're not respected by them, they're probably not going to follow you as a leader or an overseer. Uh, let me just say this. If you're always late to church, if you're always undone, you're, everything's always chaotic and unorderly, uh, they're not going to respect you. So get those things in order to be respectable. 
You needed to be someone that they looked to and says, that, that's what I need to be. That's the, uh, they are the example and the model of spirituality and leadership uh, and, and biblical characteristic. That's what I want to be. That's how I want to live my life. You must be respected within the community of the church. And let me say this, brothers, uh, brothers, that you must be respectable, not just in the church, but outside of the church as well. Now, just let me go ahead and uh, pastor here just for a few moments. We, are, we live our lives, the majority of our time, outside the confines of a church. We go to businesses and restaurants and grocery stores, and we might be working full-time or bivocationally. You need to be respected in those areas as well. When you go to a restaurant, make sure you're not sending the food back over and over again just so you can get a free meal. And if you're not going to tip, my Lord, don't leave a church card there either. Uh, don't, don't put the church in that light. The church needs to be respected, and you need to be respected. And don't and listen, if you're telling people on the job that you're called to be a preacher, you're called to be a pastor, then guess what? You better act like it on the job. You better watch the things that you say, the things that you're a part of, the jokes that you laugh and the, that you laugh at, the jokes that you tell, because you must be respected. You can't turn off being a pastor. You can't turn off being a preacher. You're a, you're a man of God all the time, and so you must be respectable. And if you are respectable, then the people outside of the walls of the church will say, that is a man of God. That's somebody I want. That's a church I could go to. You're not just representing yourself. You're representing Jesus Christ and his church. My mother used to say when I was a teenager, she would say, before I leave, you're not just representing yourself out there. You're representing me and you're representing your family. Make sure your actions represent your family. And so you also, brothers, if you're saying you're called to preach, if even if you're saying you're, you're a Christian, you better act like it. Be respected in the community. And then finally, he says that the man of God, the overseer, must be hospitable. And this is a compound word uh, of to mean to love strangers. It literally means to love strangers. And this goes right back to being respected. We don't just love Christians. We don't just love the people we go to church with, but we love the outsiders. This is the goal of ministry, to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you don't love them, you're not going to reach them. It's commanded. This is a, this is a Christian virtue that we are to love people. We are to love people, to reach them with this glorious message that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. Now, this does not mean that we go and tell every person we meet, you're going to hell, and you better obey Acts 2.38, and you better believe in Jesus or you're doomed. No, simply love them. Be the example of Christian virtue and Christian love that when they see how you respond in suffering and they see how you live in tough times and difficult times and under the pressure of the world, they say, that is a person, that is something that I need in my life. And so not only that, you're showing them love. You are reaching out to them in love and you're showing them the love of Christ. And so brothers, 
These are qualifications that we must strive for. We might not have it all together right now, but we can strive for and we can begin to use uh, to test ourselves to see if we are discerning the call of God. These are high standards, I know, but we are serving a high God who demands of his ministers to represent the gospel well. And so as we begin to discern our call of God, let these virtues and qualifications begin to grow in your life. Strive after them as we seek to discern the call of God. Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. For more information and episodes, go to nswhitley.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Cut It Straight podcast on iTunes. Go to Facebook and search for N.S. Whitley and like and share my page. And follow me on Twitter at N.S. Whitley.